Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi there and welcome again to the Explaining History podcast. Now, if you're a regular listener to this podcast, you'll know that over the past year or two, I've been looking at Ring of Steel by Alexander Watson. It's um, one of the best histories of the First World War I've ever come across, purely because it takes us out of our kind of Anglosphere obsession with uh, Britain and the trenches and looks at the world through the eyes of Germany and Austria-Hungary, uh, which is, um, in, in the Eng- English language writing, um, a, a kind of bit of a road less travelled, and which is why I like it. But also, the kind of the, the scope of um, the book goes beyond simply a military history into a kind of a quite a wide social history of the central powers and this sense that they were surrounded hence the the ring of steel which is a a popular term uh, used by the central powers to describe how they saw the world so previously we've been looking at um, mobilization uh, of um, the population in 1914 we looked at last time how repressive Austria-Hungary particularly was in the summer of uh, 1914 
and the the kind of the extreme new uh, laws designed to crack down on dissent. And here we look at the the high degree of um, motivation amongst Austro-Hungarian citizens um, and the, the different nationalities within Austria-Hungary who were more than enthusiastic to sign up to fight in defence of the empire. So, Alexander Watson writes, The tight control over Habsburg society from the end of July 1914 proved, against expectations, to be largely unnecessary. Conrad von Hutzendorf, the chief of general staff, who distrusted the nationalities and had called already at the start of July for martial law to be imposed across the empire, confessed the following months that the enthusiasm of the, um, of the people for the war was a great surprise to him. Reports from the time testified to widespread support from the, for the imperial cause. In Vienna, citizens were characterised as steady and resolute after general mobilisation was ordered. In all classes, noted officials, a deep sympathy for the honour of the monarchy and conviction in the necessity of what has happened is perceptible. In Hungary too, at least among the Magyars, uh, Minister President Tiza testified at the start of August to a very good atmosphere. Of course, since 1866, the empire had been had two major poles, um, Budapest and Vienna, and the uh, and, and Hungary was a kind. It was a self-governing monarchy within the Austro-Hungarian Empire. Soldiers passing through the kingdom were greeted everywhere with frenetic rejoicing and music and song. More remarkable was the reaction of the once squabbling peoples of the Austrian crown lands, the, the crown lands being largely uh, what, what would now comprise Czechoslovakia. And Carniola, home to a predominant Slovene population, um, the, region, the regional president described how men obeyed the summons to arms with enthusiasm, thoroughly convinced of the necessity and the justice of the warlike action forced upon the empire. In Bohemia, the military command in Prague recorded that after the partial mobilisation against Serbia was ordered, against expectations, the reservists reported for, duly punct- uh, uh, for duty punctually and in large numbers. Uh, even a certain enthusiasm was noticeable. In the summer of 1914, after the assassination of Archduke Franz Ferdinand, um, Slavic peoples across the Austro-Hungarian Empire were treated with immense suspicion, um, even though there were Poles and Czechs who had absolutely nothing to do with the assassination, nothing to do with Serbian nationalism, and had no sympathies for the attacks at all. Most Poles... Um, Czechs, uh, Slovenes uh, and others looked upon the assassination with abject horror as, as, you know, it's a fairly normal reaction to acts of terrorism. Railway officials um, watching uh, departing draftees and their families were still more upbeat. Bohemia was calm, Moravia and Lower Austria were enthusiastic. Similar goodwill and obedience were observed in the, en- the Empire's peripheries. In Trentino, Italian irredentists conceded that the rural population was loyal to the Habsburg dynasty. Far to the east, in Bukovina, Ruthenes, which would be modern-day uh, Ukraine, were characterised with few exceptions ready, uh, very ready to make sacrifices 
and patriotically minded. Military units in Galicia were, uh, as elsewhere, overwhelmed when far more men than expected reported for duty. Some of those arriving at barracks were under no obligation to serve. Those who were superfluous were transferred to the north of Hungary to fill the ranks of new formations. The Habsburg Empire demonstrated over the summer that for all the troubles of peacetime politics, it still possessed great legitimacy amongst peoples. The nationalities politicians and church leaders were instinting in their declarations of loyalties to Franz Josef and conscripts everywhere obeyed the call to arms and officials were emphatic, though amazed, that loyalty, not fear, lay behind the impressive popular response. There were even more volunteers. Vienna's Reichpost described men storming the war administration in person by telegraph or by letter to get enlisted. Already, before the end of the first week of August, many thousands were said to have come forward. Still, despite the pride with which such enlistments were reported, volunteers were revealing the limits of of dynastic patriotism's mobilising potential. To judge from newspaper descriptions, these men were not from the broad urban middle-class volunteering movement seen in the German Reich, but instead came from predominantly from a narrower circle of cosmopolitan elites. Aristocrats, parliamentary deputies and retired soldiers were reported to have offered their services. Many state officials were among the volunteers. They requested release from civil, the civil service to enlist sufficiently large numbers to necessitate discussion in the Austrian Ministerial Council about whether this should be permitted. Students also joined their ranks, although numbers were paltry compared to the thousands listing in Germany. So a point it makes here is that when we previously looked at Germany, there was a huge tranche of the German middle class who saw military service as a patriotic duty and a responsibility and something that was um, part of the uh, part necessary for the further functioning of of the nation, there was um, less of a sense of um, the of, of um, obligation, and more a sense that this was the commitment that Germans made to the uh, the defence of the Reich, and it was part of the kind of the unspoken pact that um, took place between rulers and ruled. And it's something that I don't think is that prevalent in Great Britain, for example. Not to say that Britain doesn't have a huge surge in volunteers. It does. But that sense of kind of civic engagement isn't, doesn't seem to be a, a kind of a predominant motivation. Alexander Watson writes... There were also some men of lesser social standing among the volunteers, but they were not necessarily all keen to die for the emperor. Sigmund Sperber, for example, a 39-year-old pharmacist, worried that the draft order would carry him away from his frail mother and force his shop into bankruptcy. Volunteering seemed to offer a solution. In early, uh, in early August, he wrote to the war ministry, offering his immediate services, but only on the condition that he be given a posting in Vienna. That way, he earnestly informed the ministry, he would, um, in his free time, alongside the true fulfilment of duty for our much-loved emperor and my dear fatherland, 
also be able to discharge the responsibilities of a son. So, um, here we look at the the kind of the connection, the, the, the social glue um, that binds Habsburg society together. That sense of uh, oneness, of, of connection between different social classes, which in, in the best of times is often a kind of like a, a fraught undertaking. Habsburg mobilisation, while revealing strong vertical bonds between people and emperor, never achieved the horizontal social solidarity or depth of commitment seen in Germany. Partly this was simply uh, a function of the greater distance between peoples of different language and cultures living in a multi-ethnic empire than between members of a unitary nation-state. This is um, part of the, the nature of the Austro-Hungarian Empire. It's a patchwork of peoples who have different linguistic, cultural and historical traditions who are, it's quite remarkable how many of them are actually held together under one flag in, in 1914 and motivated to, to fight in the same way. That in itself is, is quite an achievement. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Um, still, Germany's divisions, particularly of class, were stark before the war. Equally influential, therefore, were the actions of government. Austro-Hungarian leaders were focused on compliance, not unity in the summer of 1914, and strenuous efforts made in the Reich to reconcile or at least suspend peacetime disputes had no real equivalent in Franz Joseph's uh, lands. One of the um, motivations for war, not the prime motivation, but a motivation on the part of the Kaiser, was to draw an end to social com the social conflict in Germany that many um, uh, members of uh, the, the Kaiser's government and the elite circles feared would end in some sort of revolution. Hungary did, it is true, benefit from a political truce, the, um, the Troiga die um, from the end of July. 
In November, when Parliament met for its first wartime session, Teaser eulogised the conflict as a unifying force. It has put a stop to party strife, it has put a stop to class struggle, relegated the nationality conflicts into the background and given rise to splendid manifestations of unity and mutual love both at home and on the battlefield. Nonetheless, this demonstration of unity could not exert so powerful an impact on the public opinion as the German Reichstag's war credit vote of the 4th of August. The Hungarian parliament lacked the same legitimacy and representativeness. Its small franchise, rigged elections and discrimination against non-Magyars meant that it spoke only for the elite. The Hungarians did, nonetheless, at least attempt to create a semblance of political unity. In Austria, by contrast, the Reichsrat, which had been closed in March 1914, was not recalled. So here we look at questions between Germany, Austria and Hungary of legitimacy, of mandate, of who has the uh, political right, if you will, or the political legitimacy to vote for war, to vote for war credits um, and, and to ask for eventually future sacrifices from, from the nation. There is a functioning Reichstag in Germany, but there is a um, a, a, a kind of Potemkin village um, democracy in Hungary and nothing whatsoever in, in Austria. So referring to the, the Reichstag in, in Vienna, the building was instead ostentatiously, ostentatiously converted into a military hospital. Minister President Sturg um, may have been correct to fear that assembling unruly deputies would result in damaging public uh, in a damaging public relations debacle. However, the readiness of the monarchy's peoples to heed its call in the crisis indicates that the government underestimated their loyalty, and the penalties of not reconvening Parliament were very great. First, a chance was missed to reinforce the conflict's legitimacy by gaining the sanction of the nationalities democratically elected representatives. Crucially, it also denied the people a forum in which to bury past quarrels publicly and then declare Austrian solidarity. So if you don't do these things, if you don't have a forum where um, Austrians and Czechs and Poles and Croats and Italians can uh, air their grievances, can bury the hatchet with one another publicly over the various different inter uh, inter-ethnic spats that inevitably happen within the Austrian Empire. If you don't have that, you might be able to survive for a while, assuming the war goes just fine, um, uh, and you know diminish and kind of mask the levels of of public of public dissent. But if if the war goes badly, Parliament or a Reichstag is, uh, or Reichsrat in this case, is the pressure valve. It's how you release the steam that builds up um, during, uh, during crisis. And not having one is, is a real flaw. The decision to run the war effort through decree rather than parliamentary consent additionally left the government highly vulnerable to criticism. Should the war go badly, it would be clear the regime alone was at fault. 
More dangerous still, Sturg's administration not only failed to recognise the importance of cementing broad political consent for the war, but actually abandoned the strategy of negotiating with and conciliating nationalist interests, which in peace had helped to keep the Austrian half of the monarchy functioning. So the Austro-Hungarian Empire, this multi-ethnic empire, involves in peacetime a constant dialogue, um, uh, which helps to contain nationalist forces, of which there are many. I mean, nationalism tears the Austro-Hungarian Empire apart in, in 1918. By shutting down any avenues of discourse and dialogue, um, the Austro-Hungarian government, um, the, well, particularly the Austrian side of the Austro-Hungarian regime, didn't do itself any favours. A demand for unconditional obedience, backed by the threat of military repression, took its place. The Minister-President laid out the new attitude in the circular to Crown land heads at the end of July. Considerations of administrative procedure, regard for the mood of the parties, calculations about the present or the future circumstances of domestic politics, all this has stopped. There is only one thing now, the orientation of all forces in the state towards certain speedy and complete attainment of the purposes of war. So, this was storing up unnecessary problems for the future, and the use of kind of coercion or of intimidation or anything like that is 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 completely flawed because of the levels of goodwill and public enthusiasm for the war that already existed. In the absence of any Austria-wide Bergfrieden, so social peace within the fortress. Um, within the nation. The Habsburg Empire's success in bringing its people to war was underpinned by what can be described as a double mobilisation. First, there was the official patriotic mobilisation comprising the call of the army and the appeal of the population as loyal imperial subjects. In tandem, however, there was a semi-official national mobilisation varying in strength in different regions and which was at the this early stage supported um, supported the state's own efforts. So mobilisations in the crown lands in Bohemia and Moravia and in uh, Croatia or Slovenia. Um, although many na- were, were nationalists, they combined ethnic um, with imperial loyalty and drummed up support for the Habsburg cause in their communities. And this is very, very strong. This is very, very strong. The British managed to combine this too, in part, um, which is a very, very different story, but combining national loyalties, loyalty to one's national tribe, with a sense that one's national tribe is part of a wider transnational uh, imperial polity to which, which, which commands one's loyalty as well. This is, is something that the Habsburgs managed to capture to begin with, but this phrase under the pressures of war, as inevitably these things do. Okay, I'm going to finish there. I hope you found that valuable and useful and interesting. Do remember to catch us at explaininghistory.org, or you can find us on uh, YouTube. I'm going to my various updates on current affairs. I'm going to shift those all to YouTube at the moment. Uh, so I'll be doing some more on the YouTube channel later this week. Thanks very much, everybody. All the best. Bye bye. 
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.